It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? It is Saturday, February 15th, 2020. This is Locked On Phillies. I'm Tim Kelly. It was an extremely busy week for the Phillies as pitchers and catchers reported to spring training. The full team is due to report tomorrow, at least the ones that aren't already there. Brad Miller left in free agency this week to go to the St. Louis Cardinals. I know a lot of people are disappointed about that. Across baseball, players and coaches reacted to the Astros scandal. Uh, There was a bunch there. Cody Bellinger, the reigning NL MVP, had a a pretty strong reaction yesterday. The Astros seemed unapologetic, but they don't own being unapologetic, so they're in this weird in-between thing. Uh, That's certainly going to be a a storyline that looms over this season. But from a Phillies perspective, most importantly this weekend, Matt Klensak, Andy McPhail, and Joe Girardi all spoke, giving us quite a bit to work with for the three things that the Phillies taught us this week. The first was that Matt Klensak gave the most extensive update on Odubel Herrera that we've gotten thus far. He didn't say Thursday morning when he spoke in Clearwater that Herrera will never play for the Phillies again, but he didn't mince words. He essentially said the odds are stacked against Herrera. Herrera is 28. He's in Clearwater, but he isn't set to join all Phillies position players at Major League Camp on Sunday. Instead, he's going to report to Minor League Camp after the Phillies designated him for assignment in January, and he ultimately cleared waivers. Last Memorial Day, of course, Herrera was arrested for a domestic incident with his girlfriend that she ultimately did not press charges on, but he was suspended for the remainder of the 2019 season. Klintak said on Thursday that there's no guarantee he's ever going to play at the major league level again, saying, quote, that's largely up to him. Odubel served his time. He served his punishment. That was bargained between the union and the league. We are not in a position to further penalize him by rule. So he, as you mentioned, is in minor league camp. He's now off the roster, and anything that happens to him from here on out is going to be something that he has to earn. So there is a path for him to return, but he is going to have to do everything 100% right, both on and off the field, to even have a chance. And having said that, those things would need to align with the opportunity at the major league level. Ultimately, that's going to have to be up to him. Now, one would think... If the Phillies were planning to seriously consider have having Herrera play for them uh, in 2020, even if they thought he's likely to start the season at AAA, probably not going to make the initial opening day roster, but could make an impact down the road somewhere, you would think that he would be at Major League Camp in some form. It's not like the Phillies are you know, real tight about the numbers they're allowing at Major League Camp. They're going to have over 70 players at camp this time next week. Only 26 of those players can, of course, be on the opening day roster with the new uh, MLB rule expanding the roster from 25 to 26. So look, it's possible this season that Odubo Herrera simply fizzles out at AAA and never recaptures what you know made him an all-star and made some believe he could be a franchise cornerstone just a few years ago. Uh, it isn't like in the recent exposure we've gotten to seeing him play, he's been effective at all. 
Uh, he had an incredible start to the 2018 season, but after the All-Star break, he posted just a 622 OPS, which is bad. Uh, and then in 126 at-bats in 2019, which is not a, a large sample size, but it's not so small that it's not worth discussing, Herrera was hitting only 222. Baseball is a strange game. Tim Kirchin of ESPN has kind of talked about this. There's not really another sport where guys just lose it for no particular reason quite like they do in baseball and it's possible that he's never able to rediscover what made him a successful player earlier in his career what'll be interesting though is if Herrera tears it up at triple a uh, he's been a very streaky player in the parts of five seasons that he spent with the Phillies. If a hot streak from him coincides with struggles from Adam Hazley or there's injuries and they need Scott Kingery to play elsewhere, whatever the case may be, there will be some that call for Odubel Herrera to get a second chance with the Phillies. Now, nothing they've done since his arrest suggests that the Phillies have any interest in being the place where Herrera gets another opportunity. But it was interesting that Matt Klintak said this week that there is a path. Now, you got the sense from his quote that, look, if the Phillies could have released him and been done with the situation, they would have been. The reality is, though, they risk having a grievance filed. So ultimately, I think they believe their best strategy is to stash him in the minor leagues to minimize the distraction. But this isn't just a 2020 problem. He's guaranteed $7 million this year, which he's getting one way or another, and he's guaranteed $10 million next year. So if the Phillies don't want to risk having a grievance being filed against him for them for punishing Herrera a second time by releasing him, which it really sounds like they don't, they're going to have to keep him in their organization for the next two seasons. Their only possible out would be if Herrera performs so well in the minors that another team becomes interested in trading for him. And so far, there's been no... I mean, obviously, if there's any team that even had remote interest, I think the Phillies would pay 99% of the deal just to move on. Jim Salisbury reported in December that there wasn't any interest in Herrera, and I'm not sure we're going to see any interest. But certainly this isn't going away like he's going to be at lehigh valley or wherever the phillies choose to stash him in the minor leagues and there are going to be people monitoring this situation because this is someone that was an all-star that had been given a long-term contract and for all the flaws he had as a player when he got hot he could carry a lineup and if the phillies don't perform up to expectations offensively particularly in center field which is probably the position people are most concerned about heading into the season Herrera is going to be there and people are going to at least bring up the possibility. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. Second thing we learned this week is that we got updates on Sir Anthony Dominguez and David Robertson. Now, whether Joe Girardi envisions using Dominguez as a setup man for Hector Neris or the other way around and having Hector Neris set up for Dominguez, 
it can certainly be argued that he's the most important player to this team's chances to reach the postseason in 2020, uh, at least in the terms of players that could go one way or another. Like, yeah, you can't lose Bryce Harper, you can't lose JT Real Muto. But in terms of players that got hurt last year or underperformed last year, you really, really need Sir Anthony Dominguez to be healthy and be effective this year. And he told uh, Matt Breen of the Inquirer this week that he feels good and that he feels that he's ready and his goal is to be ready for open day and that he wants to help the team and do his job he had an incredible rookie season two years ago he demonstrated all-star potential at time he was limited then to just 27 appearances in 2019 he was forced to leave a game in san diego in early june and the even though he never had tommy john surgery and multiple different opinions told him he didn't need a tommy john surgery not coming back from a ucl injury it leaves some lingering questions about how healthy he's going to be. Fortunately, Matt Klintak said in November that Dominguez was set to have a normal offseason after successfully throwing uh, in the late weeks of the season or it might have been even a week or so after the season before being shut down after the season ended. And then Brian Price said last month that Dominguez was, quote, chomping at the bit and the Phillies were going to be really patient with him. Look, Joe Girardi said at his opening press conference in October that the bullpen needs to stay healthy. I think a lot of people view him coming in here as some sort of miracle worker. He's an excellent manager, but if the bullpen collapses health-wise the way it did a season ago, it doesn't matter if Gabe Kapler or Joe Girardi or Connie Mack or whoever, it doesn't matter if any of them are the manager if your bullpen doesn't stay healthy. If six-eighths of your, six-eighths of your opening day bullpen misses large chunks of the season any team is going to have trouble overcoming that especially when you don't have starting pitching where you're sure about a lot of the guys either but Dominguez was electric at times in his rookie season 2.95 ERA in 53 games and Joe Girardi sounded super excited this week uh, when he got a chance to talk about Dominguez saying quote I think we have we're going to have additions just because of health guys coming back. If you get a Sir Anthony Dominguez that can stay healthy for the whole year, that's a huge addition. I mean, you're adding a guy that was a closer and an eighth inning guy that wasn't there for a good portion of the 2019 season. Now, Joe Girardi talked about how he did a bunch of Phillies games last year when he was doing game coverage for Fox. And he said every single time he did the game, the Phillies bullpen looked entirely different. And one of the reasons for that is because one of the guys the Phillies were counting on last season, David Robertson, got injured in mid-April and didn't return at all. He had Tommy John surgery in August. And uh, Girardi told the collective media, including Evan Macy of Philly Voice this week, that, quote, hopefully we get David Robertson back at some point. If we get David Robertson back sometime in the second half, that's like a trade deadline deal that can be a difference maker. Robertson is 34 years old now. He signed a two-year, $23 million deal with the Phillies offseason, and the th thought was that he would bring stability to the bullpen. Uh, instead, he gave up four runs and seven appearances, and he was ultimately placed on the injured list with, uh, with elbow soreness in mid-April and then had Tommy John surgery in August. If anyone's aware of how reliable David Robertson was for the decade prior joining to the Philly, prior to joining the Phillies, it was Joe Girardi. Uh, David Robertson was in his second season with the Yankees when they beat the Phillies in the 2009 World Series. Joe Girardi, of course, was the manager that season. Uh, David Robertson was an all-star for the Yankees in 2011, setting up for Mariano Rivera. 
And he did leave following the 2014 season to go to the White Sox in free agency, but the Yankees reacquired David Robertson in July of 2017 when they went to the ALCS in what proved to be Joe Girardi's final season as the Yankees manager. Given that he didn't undergo Tommy John surgery until August, it's hard for me to imagine David Robertson being ready to pitch at the major league level any earlier than August of 2020, and even that may be overly optimistic. With David Robertson, I think the best bet is for the Phillies to hope for the best that he returns in the final six weeks or month of the season and is effective. But the expectation internally has to be that David Robertson doesn't pitch. As much as you would like to have him pitch this season, it's just probably not especially realistic. And then the final thing we got this week was quite a bit of discussion about potentially approaching or going over the luxury tax. Matt Klintak talked about it, but I thought the most interesting discussion about the topic came from Andy McPhail. This was the first time we heard Andy McPhail talk since the October press conference where the Phillies announced the firing of Gabe Kapler and there's no other way to put it. That press conference was a disaster all the way around for the rest of the offseason. I did not see Andy McPhail at the other press conferences. That doesn't mean he wasn't there. I didn't see him. John Middleton was, but was not on the podium, was not speaking. The Phillies really put Matt Klintak front and center. I think there was an impression from some after that press conference that maybe his power had dwindled, and the Phillies for the rest of the offseason kind of worked to make sure that that narrative was not out there. Anyway, getting back to Andy McPhail, He's entering his fifth season in his current role, and he said that the Phillies may very well end up exceeding the luxury tax threshold at some point this season, but it's not something they want to make a habit of doing. He said, quote, speaking for the Phillies and their ownership, we're not reluctant to go over the luxury tax threshold. It is not an impenetrable barrier by any stretch. It's my hope and, frankly, my expectation that we are going to go over it this season. But nobody can live over it. The penalty... The penalties are too severe, not just economically, but it grabs you in every different way. Your draft choices get diluted, coming and going. If you were to lose a qualified free agent, your draft choices get diluted there too. You sign guys, that's additional draft picks. They take away your international bonus pool money. Every team that's been over for a couple years in a row, New York, Los Angeles, Boston, you have to reset as a practical matter, end quote. In January, Johnny Heller of Phillies Nation estimated the Phillies have at most $6.9 million before reaching the luxury tax threshold, and that's a number that's probably slightly lower after the Phillies re-signed Tommy Hunter for $850,000 guaranteed uh, earlier this month. If the Phillies lose their upcoming arbitration cases against JT Realmuto and Hector Neris, and Realmuto's arbitration hearing is next week, according to John Clark, we don't know uh, what day it's going to be yet, but we'll have a resolution there, and I would imagine Neris is in the coming days or weeks as well. Uh, if, if they lose those two cases, that would leave them with about $3.5 million in uh, room under the collective balance tax, give or take, and Andy McPhail also correctly pointed out 
Friday that some of the Phillies non-roster invitees to spring training could make the opening day roster which increases the amount of money they would make in 2020 and it would further limit the amount that they have below the luxury tax threshold. Here's a reminder and I I know this is minutiae but I think it's important for people to hear because the the luxury tax is complicated and it's not something people that have everyday jobs and lives uh, are experts on and there's a lot floating around about it so I just wanted to go over basic things about it. If the Phillies exceed the luxury tax in 2020 and 2021, for that matter, here's what's going to happen. This is straight from the MLB glossary on all the rules. Quote, a club exceeding the competitive balance tax, which is the official name for the luxury tax threshold, a club exceeding the competitive balance tax threshold for the first time must pay a 20% tax on all overages. A club exceeding the threshold for a second consecutive season will see that figure rise to 30%. And three or more straight seasons of exceeding the luxury tax threshold comes with a 50% luxury tax. If a club dips below the luxury tax threshold for a season, the penalty level is reset. So a club that exceeds the threshold for two straight seasons but then drops below that level would be back at 20% the next time it exceeds that threshold, end quote. From a, a strictly financial sense, the Phillies could probably afford to go over it every year. Let's say that the Phillies go over the luxury tax for the next three seasons. In 2022, which would be the third season of doing it, if they exceeded the tax by, let's say, $10 million, which is probably more than they would go over it, but let's use that number, that would leave them having to pay $5 million. That's doable. There's no reason that this organization isn't capable financially of paying five extra million dollars. That's you know a mediocre player at this stage with the economics of how baseball are today. If the Phillies exceeded the tax by twenty to forty million, they would be quote subject to a twelve percent surtax. Issues in terms of draft picks would really begin if they exceeded the luxury tax threshold by more than 40%. Quote, meanwhile, those who exceed it by more than $40 million are taxed 425 at a 42.5% rate the first time at a 45% rate if they exceed it by more than $40 million again the following years. Beginning in 2018... Club, so this began two seasons ago now. Clubs that are $40 million or more above the threshold shall have their highest selection in the next MLB draft move back 10 places unless the pick falls in the top six. And if you are $40 million over the luxury tax threshold and still have a top six pick, your organization's in big trouble. Anyway, that was my input, not the league's. Going on with what the league said, in that case, the team would have the second highest selection move back 10 places instead. Now, then this is me talking again. Whether the Phillies have consistently hit on draft picks in the last 15 years or not, the draft and other penalties that McPhail mentioned regarding international bonus pool money and qualifying offer returns, it is worth keeping in mind. You cannot build a team entirely out of free agents unless you are willing to blow by the luxury tax threshold, which there's no indication that the Phillies or any other team in the sport are willing to do. Here's the thing, though. Even in the wildest scenario where the Phillies acquire Chris Bryant and the $18.6 million from the Cubs that he's due this year, 
they wouldn't even exceed the threshold by $20 million over this season, let alone 40 where you get all the significant penalties. So sure, if you acquire Chris Bryant, his price would go up next year. JT Real Muto is likely to get more expensive with the new long-term deal next year. And Herrera, as we mentioned, is still under contract for $10 more million next year. But you also have Jake Arrieta and David Robertson, who are making $31 million combined in 2020. They're set to come off the books. So the chances that you would get close to this $40 million threshold where you're going to be asked to give up draft compensation it's hard to envision for me. Now, you do want to maintain financial flexibility. Part of that is going to involve building a pipeline of consistent starters, and I don't just mean starting pitchers, but I mean starting pitchers, relievers, and everyday players that are ready to come to the major league level and provide cheap production. Even with Alec Bohm and Spencer Howard on the horizon this season, the Phillies do not have that right now. So their best chance to compete in a division with three other teams that have World Series aspirations is to use their financial wherewithal, hoping that by the time they would be anywhere near these luxury tax ramifications that go beyond just the dollars penalties, they wouldn't need to be as reliant on spending large swaths of money on veterans because they would have cheap replaceable players to come in and could allow some of those expensive pieces to leave in free agency. Truth be told, though, you should be able to build a a playoff caliber roster, a roster that you are sure is good enough to at least get to the playoffs with over $200 million and stay under the tax. The Phillies aren't there right now, though. And, you know, we could do an entire season worth of shows on why that is, but it is what it is right now, and that's the situation that you're in. Now, at the somewhat infamous press conference where the Phillies announced the firing of Gabe Kapler, John Middleton didn't say that the Phillies wouldn't go over the tax, but he cast doubt about whether they'd be willing to do so if it was only for a shot at the second wild card spot, which is sort of what it's been the last two seasons. Friday, Andy McPhail seemed to think the Phillies would be willing to go over the luxury tax threshold for any chance to return to the postseason for the first time in eight years. And again, he preached, though, that he believes that it's not sustainable to do that every year. He said, quote, well, I would trade the CBT for the wild card spot, he said as he laughed. And I don't want to get in trouble with John, but I would. The problem is what's going to happen the next year and the year after that? What extensions and other free agents are you going to want to sign? Is this a never-ending trail upwards where you can't get out of it and then you're in a position where you feel obligated to reset? That's a pretty draconian, dramatic thing to do with your fan base. So yeah, I think the Phillies need... I think you need to be proactive and careful, and like I said, don't go over it cavalierly, but if you have the opportunity to win, that's not going to prevent us from going over. Ownership has made that clear. Essentially, what you got out of that press conference Friday was that it's going to be kind of put up or shut up this summer in terms of whether they are willing to go over the luxury tax threshold and to what degree ownership is willing to give them that. If the Phillies are in the mix in a really competitive National League East, it looks like they have a chance to win that and you have the wild card to fall back on, then they could make a major trade potentially to make an addition that would put them over the luxury tax threshold. If they are 
only nominally in the race because there's two wild cards and you're never really out of the race for the second wild card until you know the th- second or third last week of the season then we'll have to see what they ultimately are willing to do. The last two years, it's been closer to tweaking around the edges. It doesn't feel like that's going to be good enough to get them into the playoffs. And if they're not in the playoffs, Andy McPhail and Matt Klintak both had to answer questions this week about what that could potentially mean for their future. A ton went on this week, and a ton will go on the next however many weeks until October. You can follow it all along here on Locked on Phillies and on Twitter. You can follow me at Tim Kelly Sports. Read my work on philliesnation.com and radio.com. I will talk to you guys next week. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 